Ulterior. Man, I thought I was so, like, savvy and cool last week, starting off with, what do you guys want to talk about? And then I was like, hey man, Super Bowl this weekend, fucking Chiefs Niners, I think Niners are going to do it. Man, what the fuck happened? Well, I know what happened, motherfuckers were asking for the ball on an overtime that they didn't know the rules to. How are you in the Super Bowl and you don't know the rules to the overtime? How is that not like instilled in your mind by that point by Kyle Shanahan? Fucking dweeb, fucking weirdo, whatever, man. They kind of deserve to lose that game. I can't cap. Um, blessings up to Dre Greenlaw, by the way. Uh, he got injured just running onto the field. That sucks, bro. That's crazy. But um, yeah, best wishes to him. Uh, best wishes to... I actually, on a more serious note, best wishes to uh, anybody affected by the uh, the shooting at the Chiefs Parade. I'm not going to go on too much about that because I don't want to, you know, potentially uh, trigger any sort of um, bad thoughts as it pertains to violence in that manner. But again, uh, best wishes and blessings up to anybody affected by that. Um, so this episode, what do we got today? Well, quite a bit, actually. Um this is one of the most stacked weeks that I can think of so far this year, and maybe also my favorite so far in terms of the quality of what we got. So we got brand new singles by the likes of Monument of a Memory, The Ghost Inside, Imminence, and plenty of others I want to mention, and then brand new records by Galleons, Nothing Nowhere, and Normandy. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. There isn't really much for like news topics this week that I want to bring up, so what I'm going to go ahead and do now is get right into the singles rundown for the week. There were quite a few this week, and I want to make sure that I'm giving uh, all of the time and attention that each of them have earned and deserved. So the first one up, my favorite song from last week. It's actually by Monument of a Memory, and it is Devil in the Details. This is the best song that Monument of a Memory have ever made, and respectfully, I don't think it's even close. I feel like they've been a band who have, like, sort of, you know, maybe touched the surface of greatness before without ever fully breaking through. Like, I remember hearing and reviewing their EP from two years ago, and not believing that it left much of an indention on my listening habits, whereas I know that Devil in the Details is a song that I will be replaying ad nauseum because it is just undeniable. I feel like it's all-encompassing of so many different areas of scene music over the last maybe like 15 years or so in a way that it mixes modern metalcore with something dramatic. Like, okay, just to kind of make a few more like specific examples... I feel like I can hear 
Until I Wake's contemporary style mixed with the theatrics of Alisana. And then the chorus progression reminds me so much of Miracle by A Day to Remember. It's just like all of these different, you know, and at that different, the best parts of so many different layers to the history of scene music all wrapped into one very fucking pristine package that is devil in the details i really also adore the direction of the music video the color contrasts and how everything complements like the black and red palette for the video it's just this incredible package from song to video to performance to promotion just everything about monument of a memory's output for devil in the details it, it just spoke to my soul and it is the kind of single that i cannot imagine when i'll stop hearing it and i also cannot imagine when i'll shut the fuck up about it the ghost inside released a brand new single it is called wash it away So this is going to be part of the new Ghost Inside album called Searching for Solace, releasing on April 19th. And admittedly, I haven't looked too much into the fan response to the song. I didn't go to any of the comments on Instagram or YouTube to really get a gauge for, you know, how people are feeling about the song. Do they fuck with it? Do they not fuck with it? I kind of feel like it's probably somewhere in the middle I would imagine that there's a section of the Ghost Insights fan base from, you know, their older days who might hear a song like this and be like, this is too, like, okay, I hate this term, guys, but it's it's what some of you guys know it as, octane core. Like, I feel like that's what some people might look at this song and be like, that is the direction that it, like, um, leans into. And then I feel like there might be some people who, you know, embrace this sound for the ghost inside. And, you know, they didn't mind it when Wage War did it. They didn't mind it when, you know, A Mice and Men did it on Restoring Force. And I'm in that same camp. I do not mind this style change whatsoever. If anything, guys, I would say that I am embracing this to the fullest extent. I think Wash It Away is amongst the best Ghost Inside songs I've ever heard. It might be the best that uh, Jonathan Vigil has ever sounded vocally. In terms of like a united band and a united front, I cannot think of many other points in the Ghost Inside's entire run where they were this synchronized in, in terms of how everything just came together for the bigger picture. I feel like Wash It Away was the perfect song to put out as a single and move ahead into the cycle for Searching for Solace. And like I've been saying, guys, like I'm not turned away by this direction at all. If anything, I'm into it. I'm locked in. Imminence once again rise above any expectations and continue to leave all of us in absolute awe and astonishment. Brand new single by them, Continuum.
So I don't want to get too ahead of myself with imminence because I have a very specific prediction for the future where I can very, very easily imagine them having a breakout trajectory that is similar to Spearbox or Sleep Token, and that's based off of how innovative they are in, in so many areas. And I think at this stage of Metalcore, innovation is hard to come by, and it's even harder to find a band who is breaking the mold as well as Eminence are right now. Continuum is so beautiful in the moments of orchestration that really add to the chorus where Eddie sounds so like majestic in the way that his voice soothes listener and then he just so effortlessly transitions right back into being one of the goddamn best screamers going today imminence have never had any trouble managing the you know fluidity of their songs and finding that sweet spot between beauty and malevolence but it just feels like even then they, they leveled up big time on continuum there is no band I can think of who is doing it like them right now. They have the tools, the songs, the potential, the aura. In my mind, Imminence are truly legends in the making, and I cannot fucking wait to see how far they can take themselves off of a song like Continuum and everything else I've been doing before, and everything else they're going to do in the future. Fucking brilliant band, guys. Throne are pretty much on top of the world right now. They have a new song out. It is Backfire. The momentum for Throne is swinging very favorably for them right now, and I feel like if you hear Backfire, it's really evident why. Just two minutes of non-stop aggression, and it embodies the spirit and nature of Throne perfectly, in my opinion. Uh, I think the riffs are great, the drum track matches Marcus' intensity punch for punch, and it's essentially a masterclass in how, you know, this brand of heavy music is executed at the highest level. And I also want to point out that with this single, Throne hit 1 million monthly listeners on Spotify, and I know that might be a contested statistic in terms of what that may actually mean, but I think for a band like Throne, who as of right now have 8 songs to their name with no full-length album, that absolutely does mean something. It means that the reach is there, it means people are paying attention to what Throne are doing, and to me, they genuinely feel like they have the potential to break out in a way that we don't always get to see bands this aggressive do, and it's going to be very special to watch and very fun to watch at that. Left to Suffer and Paleface Swiss teamed up to bring all of us Left to Suffer's new single, Lost in the Dark. I think this might be the best song to date by Left to Suffer. I would say that I feel pretty strongly towards that because of the anthemic nature to it that you could hear plenty of throughout their last record, Feral. But there's something to the build-up here with Lost in the Dark that I think not only plays to the strengths of every member involved, but it also spotlights them tremendously at the same time. I think Taylor is as much of a beast here vocally as he's always been. And then, of course, you have the feature from Mark of Paleface Swiss. And combining these two very, very promising acts made for a song that I would imagine is going to stick with myself for a really, really long time. Like, it feels like 
a, a tide shifts and a new arc commences once Mark comes in on the song and the cadence that he screams with almost to the point where it's like he's rapping at a certain point. Like I was so floored by all of that. This is a super team unit and the quality of the song absolutely lived up to the billing of Let's Suffer and Paleface Swiss doing the damn thing together. Boundaries are restoring the feeling. They have a new song out, Easily Erased. This song was accompanied by the announcement of Boundary's next album. It's going to be called Dying is a Little More out on March 29th. And I think there's something in the atmosphere for Boundaries to where this record is already taking shape to possibly be the release that further catapults them up the rankings for, you know, metalcore and hardcore and anything else that this band looks to achieve sonically. Um, I think there is a really calculated balance to the aggressive and emotional sides to the song that I think Boundaries have really found their way around. And then as you progress throughout this track, you have this bridge that it kind of lets you as listener, you know, sort of like take a step back and really intake what you've been hearing. And it is this experience that felt very peaceful and cathartic. And I enjoyed having that break considering how explosive the single gets in its closing seconds. I look at Boundaries right now as the kind of band whose output has steadily elevated itself over the years. And it does feel like there's something special looming for them. And this upcoming record on March 29th, I think it can spell that out even further for them. The final single for the week that I want to bring up, it's actually by Like Moss of Flames, and it's actually a double single. They have two new songs out right now, Angels Weep and Paradigm Trigger. Year of the Moth. This year and any year of the past where Like Moss of Flames dictated much of what was going on in Metalcore, to me, they're about as safe of a bet as you can get from any band out there. The quality has never depleted. Chris has never felt like he was not giving his all vocally. And I think you can very much so turn to these two new tracks, Angel Weeps and Paradigm Trigger, and understand the sheer brilliance of Like Moss of Flames that is everlasting because it is 2024 and I'm talking about them being one of the best contemporary metalcore bands. I think both songs do an incredible job at setting the stage with the ominous instrumentation that manages to be catchy at the same time you know more so on paradigm trigger i feel like because the blistering moments on that song pulled me in in a way that felt transcended even for moths and then the mixture of chris's cleans and screams on paradigm trigger made it feel even more special even if his cleans only come in for a few lines or so it still did enough to leave a massive impression on me Two very effective songs that I'm hoping are just the, you know, uh, beginning of 2024 for like Moss of Flames because whenever they're active, I really believe they make this scene a better place. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. Distorted Reflections by Alienist. Higher by Averlize. House of Cards by Awaken I Am. Liminal by Belmont. Siren Song by Bloom. Misery Scene by Capstan. Waiting on a Sign by Chilio, Roll With It by Cold Ears, Disruption by Comeback Kid, 
Daydream by Days to Waste, In Enough Time by Gold Necklace, Live This Way by In Your Absence, When the Music Stops by Jaden, Dogma by Laws and Separation, Keep You by Mayfield, Sun Eater by Prompts, and No Turning Back by Sable Hills featuring Trevor Phipps. So no song got below a 4 last week, and like I said, this might have been my favorite week of the year so far for just the quality of the singles, the output by everybody involved, and also the quality and output from the records today. Um, there are three of them to get through, and all three have pretty substantial name value to them, I would definitely say so. And the first one up I want to get through is Violent Delights by Galleons. So when it comes to Galleons, I am somebody who I will always have this really strong affinity for what they do because it's a genre or I guess subgenre now that it's a little bit ubiquitous. And I feel like when it comes to experimental post-hardcore, you hear a lot of bands over the years, you know, really be able to nail that style and kudos to them, all the props in the world to them. But when I hear Galleons, I feel like I might be listening to the band who is doing it perhaps better than anybody else right now. And it's a like a mountain trajectory that I've been able to watch over the last few years. Um, and it's been really, really special. On a personal note, I will never forget that their previous album, the self-titled in 2021, um, it was the last album or last new album that I heard for a review prior to Mikasa's passing. If you guys don't know, Mikasa was my cat who kind of inspired this whole platform to even exist and be continued onwards after that. And like I said, I'll always have a special place in my heart for Galleons because of that. And then also just because of how fucking talented they are and how I believe that Tom Byrne is one of the most incredible vocalists going today. And in any project that he does, he is just at the top of his game. He is a master of this art. And I feel like that was especially evident in the singles rollout that had songs like the title track and Deadman Wonderland, which are two songs that I really try to do my part in gassing up because uh, ultimately they still might be my favorite songs on the record. I feel like the title track has this really cool outro section that just kind of allows all of the uh, very fluid elements and components of Galleons to really come together and make something special happen. And then on uh, Deadman Wonderland, which features Ryo Kinoshita, it's just uh, like a really cool journey. Um, the intro has like this castlevania-esque piano thing going for it and it was so easy for that intro section to pull me in and just you know throw me against the walls on all that sort of shit throughout the verses and every bit of calamity that ensues in that song and every bit of calamity that ensues in the entire album because i feel like experimental post-hardcore is very much so rooted in that style and it's kind of dependent on or dependent on how well a band can control their own chaos, if that makes any sense. And it's showcased just so brilliantly on this album on songs like Russian Roulette and uh, the intro song You Who Swallowed a Falling Star. And when I think of like controlled chaos from the perspective of Galleons, 
what I think of is, you guys know the the meme of like the, the cartoon dog in the room on fire and he's like, this is fine, everything is fine or whatever it is that he says. That's how I uh, picture Tom while he's singing these songs and just there's like the fucking apocalyptic end of the world going on behind him and it's just like so charming and enchanting and it's an area of Galleon's identity that I don't believe they've ever had any struggles in finding in any album or project of theirs. They've just been able to have like that steady hand and that ability to know when to take something to 11 and know when to bring it back down to earth and scale it back and maybe throw in a little piano melody here and there. And speaking of mel melodies, I, I think Tom being able to carry a lot of these melodies in the midst of that just pure absolute aggression, that's one of the strongest points of Galleons and you hear it all throughout Violent Delights and ultimately coming out of this album, I feel like Galleons are continuing to piece everything together and really find their footing even further and they're a band who you know even though they do have I would say considerable name value by this point I personally feel like they're still underrated. They still have yet to fully receive their flowers. I do not know if Violent Delights will be the project that really puts them into that echelon that they deserve to be in, but it really should be because people need to be paying attention to Galleons because what they're doing right now is so goddamn special, guys. Almost one year after Void Eternal's release, we have a new record by Nothing Nowhere. It is called Dark Magic. This kind of came out of, no pun intended, nowhere. Um, that was so bad, I apologize. But um, but no, truthfully, like this kind of did come out of nowhere. It was an announcement made by Nothing Nowhere. Just pretty, like, spontaneously, it felt like. He just put it out there. He had the the video of him with the uh, the, that medieval head chain thing, the, the Scott Steiner bullshit. I don't even know what it's called. Um, and then like the black mask over his face and it's just like, yeah, dark magic on, uh, this date, February 9th. And it's like, oh shit, cool. Um, there's no big label backing it. it. It doesn't have anything like that. So it feels very like mixtape esque, especially when you look at the runtime and how, um, like varied some of these songs are. And when it comes to this being the follow up to Void Eternal, I think there is something that I like have to concede with when it comes to Void Eternal myself and anybody else who was a fan of that album because Void Eternal ended up at like I believe it was number five or number six in the the year end rankings for 2023 on this show. Um, go check out those episodes if you guys you know never got around to it because. Um, I gave a lot of lip service to Void Eternal and I made sure to emphasize every point I felt like making about why that album was so special to me and how it felt like a love letter to like 2000s screamo and post-hardcore. But to kind of go back to what I said about uh, conceding earlier, what I'm conceding with is the fact that it was not a commercial success. Um, the turnout for the Void Eternal tour, um, 
You know, it, it left a lot to be desired. I, I can admit that. Uh, I wasn't fortunate enough to go to that tour with um, Static Drift, Sea Space Cowboy, and Unity TX. I would have loved to, but the videos I saw, like, it didn't do as well as I would have hoped for it to have done. I don't believe that in streams the album was really anything to write home about either. Um, I believe Nothing Nowhere said on Twitter that he actually lost, like, around a million listeners on Spotify uh, because of that album, or like, at least like at a time that correlated with that album's release and the rollout for it. And it, it sucks, you know, but at the same time, you just gotta, just gotta face the times, you know? And that kind of post-hardcore screamo music, it's not gonna do any numbers commercially in this day and age. It's a risk that you take. It's a chance that Nothing Nowhere or Joe took. And somebody like myself who grew up with that kind of music, I thought it paid off, at least for what I was looking for. But I can understand why it's an album that he would, you know, be inclined to move on from. And when we look at Dark Magic, you definitely get a mixture of what he did on Void Eternal with what he was doing beforehand, like on Trauma Factory, for instance. It's like a like a full-scale project by him that kind of encapsulates everything he's ever done. And I think that was a really admirable direction for the album because you have songs like uh, the title track Dark Magic and then Bad Luck, which follows it right after that, where it's just a fucking vibe, man. Like, this sounds very, like, SoundCloud hip-hop coded. And, you know, again, that was another era of music that I was around for and I was a part of. And I will always have a lot of love for that style and that direction of somebody's sound. And I think Nothing Nowhere navigated it really, really well. And then there are other songs here that kind of speak to the uh, the Void Eternal sound, like on Haunted Home, which sounds like it could have ended up being a B-side for that album. Like, it has that kind of post-hardcore progression and aggression. It's really cool, in my opinion. Um, Beige is basically just like a punk song. It has like a lot of, uh, like 90s Blink-182 intricacies thrown in. Uh, just a really cool sound for Joe overall. When I look at the track list for Dark Magic and I'm like, you know, thinking about what I want to pull out as my favorite of the bunch because there's definitely a lot of candidates. What the fuck am I doing with my life is probably the biggest standout for me. It's only about a minute 57 seconds long. And, you know, it, it feels very like kind of what I was mentioning earlier about like mixing together a lot of what Nothing Nowhere has done in hip hop and post-hardcore. It just has like that kind of angst to it from the post-hardcore side with the rhythm and beat from the hip hop side. It's just a really cool song that, like I said, it kind of mixes everything that he's ever done. And what the fuck am I doing in my life has been a staple of my uh, rotation for the last few days now. And I can't imagine a scenario where I take the song out of there. Like it's so just cool man and i feel like that's what i'm gonna end up you know circling back to for this whole review it's just cool it's cool that nothing nowhere is independent now it's cool that he got to do something so freely like dark magic it's cool that the album is as long as it is it's cool that these songs have all of these you know own uh, individualistic identities it's just cool to get to see him do what he wants to do in the style he wants and at the pace he wants that and for the final record of the episode, it is the new outing by Normandy called Dopamine.
There is so much I can say about Normandy, and I feel like I don't have ample time currently. Like, like it would genuinely be a, you know, a whole episode type beat to really cover the journey of finding Normandy all the way back on Ingu's and seeing the progression through White Flag and Dark and Beautiful Secrets. And I think they've been able to do all that while being true to themselves. I, I never felt like they took chances they didn't need to or do anything to compromise their core sound. And I say that to say that now is probably the right time to switch up the formula just a little bit. And I think there are some experimental moments on dopamine that made way for Normandy to, you know, finally have the chance to try that out. A song like Sorry, it feels like it's channeling 70s synth pop adds as does Glue, and they both still ended up being, you know, two of my favorite songs on the record, especially Glue, which I feel like, you know, it, it could have been risky being positioned as the closer, but I think it worked out in Normandy's favor. And then I look at Butterflies, and it has like a, I don't know, man, like a bit of a modern pop flair to it. Like, I'm not saying it directly sounds like this, but it reminded me of something that maybe, um, you know, Harry Styles would be doing, just because of how the song is laid out, and the like very faint rhythm that you hear behind Philip's voice. And then when you look at the songs here that fit the more traditional tone of Normandy, I think you get more than enough to really satisfy that palette, such as lead single Blood in the Water, which was magnificent all the way back then for its release in August, and it still is hearing it as part of Dopamine. The singles rollout was definitely loaded, I will admit that, and, you know, whether releasing 7 of 11 songs as singles was the right move is up to everybody's discretion, but I was never complaining about being able to hear songs like Hourglass or Ritual routinely throughout the months, and since I just mentioned Hourglass, I'll add that I think this is probably my favorite song on the record as of now, and it's also a little bit dissonant in execution from everything because of the feature spot of Danny from Barry Tomorrow, who, you know, he gives Hourglass a sense of aggression that is not part of any other track here. I think the album is just flooded with so many, you know, like head nodding and foot tapping moments like on the verses for uh, Flower for the Grave or the chorus for Colorblind. And I think that is something that is a part of Normandy's identity and they've never had any trouble exploring that sound. So it's very cool to see that they were able to carry that over to Dopamine. And really, at the end of the day, I look at this album and... The one thing that is keeping me from calling it perfect or hailing it as the best in their discography is just something within me. And it's something that makes me think back to the time and place of when I first heard White Flag in 2018 and then Dark and Beautiful Secrets in 2021. My memories and attachments to those records are so strong to the point where Dopamine just hasn't had that opening yet. But again, you know, it's been a few days, so it doesn't mean that it cannot have that same level of uh, adulation in the future. I think this is the kind of record that would benefit from sitting with it and listening to it a couple times. And, you know, I would imagine that it's going to evolve for myself. I think I'll end up having several different favorite songs off of it at different points. And to me, that's a telling sign of just how well Normandy are at crafting songs and how well they have stake their claim as being one of the best bands in the world time and time again over the last number of years. And that's it. That was every album and single from last week for me to get through. And like I've been saying ad nauseum over and over again, last week fucking ruled. It looks like this week for the next upcoming episode will rule as well. There's a lot to look forward to over the next couple of weeks and the next few months for singles and albums and tours and just anything that you can imagine, guys. Like, I really feel like the scene is in such a healthy spot right now when it comes to, like, the quality of what 
<clears throat> I'm sorry, the quality of what bands are doing and what musicians have lined up for all of us, what everybody's cooking right now, um, it, it's a lot to be excited for. And I would hope that you guys share that sentiment with me and we can all embrace the scene right now and just be like very, um, I, I guess thankful is what I'm trying to say because, uh, a lot of people right now are doing the best work of their careers and it, it's amazing to watch. It, it truly is. Thank you all for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene.